This is a production of KMMedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... On today's show, we have got a lot of stuff going on, and uh, I want to... Uh, thank everybody for being here. It's Monday. It's a new year. It's really exciting that we are here. And in fact, Eric is there and we're doing something in the new year that we ain't never done before. Eric, what's that? <laughs> well, we're streaming live video of the show to our uh, KKNW's Facebook page, KKNW's YouTube page, and KKNW's Twitter feed. And to Positive Talk Radio's Facebook page and Positive Talk Radio's YouTube page. So if you're uh, subscribed to any of those channels, and I sh sincerely hope that you're subscribed to all of them, uh, <laughs> you can watch live as we do the show today. Which would be a lot of fun because we've got a really exciting, vivacious guest with us today. Absolutely. And, uh, but I got to ask you, Eric, have you, uh, have you ever run a marathon? Never. You ever run a half marathon? No. Have you ever run down the street looking for a sandwich? <laughs> Not looking for a sandwich, <laughs> perchance. But uh, yeah, I've, I've run down the street, sure. Yes, indeed. Well, we have a young lady with us who has got quite a life. And uh, she's an author. She's an editor. She does digital strategy and, and copyright and all kinds of um, brand work and stuff. She also is the author of 30,000 Steps which is a huge uh, book that is, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to read it. This is part two, by the way. We did part one on uh, on YouTube on my channel prior to doing this. So I, I get her for the entire two hours, which is really cool. Um, yes, indeed. So, so Eric, I just want to thank you and KKNW for making all this technology possible. Um, if you could do one thing for me, please. You bet. Could you uh, figure out how to make me look you know, like 30 pounds lighter? That'd be <laughs> hey, if I could figure out how to do that, uh, you know, I'd apply it to myself first. But <laughs> Oh, now stop. I, Jess, I got to tell you, I, I knew him from 19 years ago when, no, 20 years ago now. Wow. 20, when, when I first started Positive Talk Radio, he was the board operator that he looks exactly the same. It's not fair. <laughs> Goes way back. That's great. I yes. wish that were true. But. <laughs> he keeps saying that, but I'm telling you, if I were to take pictures of back then and now, you you would look virtually the same. So, but uh, I want to thank KKNW and and you for putting this together. Uh, this is going to be an impactful episode, and I hope everybody pays attention. If you have somebody that has addiction problems, if you have somebody that needs some help um, with with that, uh, Jess is here, and we're going to talk about her story, the book, 30,000 Steps, which is getting amazing reviews all across the country. And it's it's been out since December. And it's really an important piece. It really is. Uh, with so many people that are they're suffering from addiction and overdose, 100,000 people in 2021. I, that number, I, Jess, by the way, Jeff Keith, Jess Keith is with us. I wish I could pronounce your name, but... <laughs> Yes, Keith. Now this is part of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And it's Jess 
keith.com mm-hmm. and you can go there and you can find out all the information that you want to about her and the book that she's written and you can actually hire her to do editing and to mm-hmm. do different things if you would like to because she's very very good at it yes thank mm-hmm. you so much plug for me thank you well, <laughs> Call exactly. me, everybody. Well, <laughs> i can't tell you how many people that i know that say you know i've got this book but i have no idea how to edit it yeah I have no idea what makes sense oh yeah it's so hard it's so hard the amount of time i spent yeah sitting on the floor whining during this process can't be overstated it's very very difficult it's very <laughs> difficult to put a book together <laughs> So 30,000 Steps stands for, and I'm going to steal your thunder here, it stands for running a half marathon, which you have done. Not only did you run a half marathon and didn't run down the street to get a sandwich, like I would, uh, but you also ran a marathon. Yeah. And you've done 10 half marathons. Now, i got to ask you, because I didn't ask you before I wanted to, um, is your time improving? Yes. And, you know, it's real, well, it's been a roller coaster a little with the time, actually, because um, – Everybody, you know, and once you get into the insanity of like PRs, which is is what how people abbreviate it for uh, personal record. So um, my I my PR from half marathons is still in the past a bit, and my past couple of half marathons have been on uh, a little on the slower side. So now I'm kind of in that phase of my running where I'm like, am I getting worse? Is is my life over? I, <laughs> you know, like what am I doing? So um, and I think running and training and running for a whole full marathon really kind of was uh, it was difficult for me to go back to the half and remember how to be fast because you get used to like kind of just like knuckling down and like really suffering for a longer period of time. So I, I my recent half was in November and it was um, just a freakishly hot day, like very, very hot for November. Um, so, you know, I finished and I did not have to go to the medical tent. So that was really about six miles in that truly just became my goal, like just finish and do not go to the medical tent. Um, but I'm hoping to come back with a vengeance. I, I really, I really would like to PR again sometime soon. So I'm going to think, I'm thinking I'm going to do a race in March and that one maybe will be my, my revenge depending so, on the weather. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Yeah. <clears throat> you do a half marathon. Yes. And your and your primary goal is to not have to go to the hospital after you get done running it. <laughs> yeah, precisely. That's like a normal thing that people with normal hobbies <laughs> want to do. Uh but it was I mean it was it was crazy. I mean, you know, it was the weekend after um the New York City Marathon was the weekend before and they had freaky hot weather in New York and then here in Virginia we still had freaky hot weather the following weekend weekend and it was no joke. I mean, people were dropping like flies. It was, it was, it was bad. So I was grateful that I was not, you know, lunged over on the side puking. <laughs> uh, I got to the finish and I was just so, I was so hot and exhausted. They had pizza and stuff. And I was just like, I must go home and lay down. I need to take a cold shower. So, you know, that's, if I'm not wanting to eat the pizza, that tells you everything you need to know. It was, it was brutal. <laughs> well, and the whole reason why you got into running marathons, running half marathons, uh, because you had a tragedy happen in your life and it was somebody that you actually lived with. Tell us Mm -hmm. a little story about that. Yeah. Yeah. So my brother, Matt, um, was three years younger than I. So he and I were always very close in age and we always were very close throughout life. Um, and for a period of time in Boston, we lived together and his health had been kind of touch and go, uh, for a long time. He dealt with mental health issues as well as drug use issues. Um, so actually while we were living together, um, he fatally overdosed. So that was just about as horrible as it sounds. Um, it was definitely the worst thing that has happened to me ever. Um, 
it was terrible. So after that whole, it was, you know, it's the, the layers of it were just, you know, it's, it's awful to lose a loved one. It's awful to lose someone at a young age, uh, who's like a peer to you. Um, it's awful to be physically present during a traumatic medical emergency. Um, so rough stuff all around. Um, and after that happened, I felt such an enormous, um, disconnect from my body. You know, it was hard to just go through daily life. Um, everything felt difficult. Like the simplest tasks felt difficult. Going grocery shopping felt impossible. Um, paying my bills was, it was just difficult, just physically doing the tasks like was difficult, you know? So, um, I got into running out of a, <laughs> like, I think a lot of people do out of a place of sheer desperation and sort of just looking for something that would like finally help me feel like I could cool it, you know? So, um, I, I felt like once I was on a plan to work toward a set goal, you know, I signed up for a race, which I thought, you know, was, um, people tell you to do when you get into running. And before this happened, I was always kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was nervous about racing. I didn't want to like be in a race environment. I was like, I'm slow. It'll be, you know, hard. Um, but the grief kind of just put all that part of me uh, away. So I didn't have time to really second guess myself, maybe like I normally would have. So I was just like, you know what, I'm doing this. Um, so I signed up and I did my little training plan and I got myself ready for the race. I, you know, I was definitely struggling in certain elements. It's, you know, learned so much along the way about, you know, the importance of like cross training and stuff like that. I had an injury at one point that I thought was going to prevent me from running the race. Um, but it, it all worked out. It, it was good. So I was able to, I ran the race and, uh, I was like, Oh, that was fun. I like it. So I've kept doing it since then, but yeah, the running, um, regardless of whether or not you're doing a race, um, for people who, if you are the sort of person who has ever enjoyed running, uh, I recommend it as a thing to reach for when you are feeling any type of, um, extreme trouble in your life. Uh, I have a newfound understanding for the meditative and therapeutic, uh, brain process that comes with running, not just the physical process. So, and, um, oddly enough, 30,000 steps equals about a half marathon. That's right. Yeah. And another thing I enjoyed about that little kind of metaphor too, is that um, it's different for everybody uh, and how many steps it takes me to get from point A to point B might be different from you, depending on how tall we are, um, how quickly we walk, things like that. And I think that that is a really nice parallel to what it's like to deal with substance use disorders. You know, like I think a lot of the struggle that comes with trying to treat these conditions is sort of like forcing people into a hole of like one shape and size and saying like, this is what we have available. Like, this is what, how we deal with things, you know? And if, if you're, if this isn't working for you, you know, then there's something wrong with you. And I think that what's been discovered and what's been starting to be embraced now is that, you know, everybody's different and there are lots of treatment modalities that work. Um, and they all work differently for different people. And I think that, you know, letting people have access to the spectrum of treatments um, rather than trying to say, you know, well, you have to go to this kind of program or this kind of therapy or this kind of group meeting um, can make all the difference for people. So is that too, which is nice. Well, and it's an interesting phenomenon, this, this addiction thing, because it can, it, it changes the chemistry of your brain mm -hmm. and you don't really, I don't know that anybody walks into their life and says, you know, just for fun, when I'm 15, I think I'll get addicted to stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, totally. 
Yeah. So it's just kind I've of, heard a lot of people in recovery say that, like, you know, being like, I didn't wake up one morning and say like, oh, you know, it'd be a fun new hobby. Like, you know, no one ever really <laughs> imagines that for themselves or wants that for themselves. You know, it's, it's a result of a lot of different things. Um, and yeah, you know, it's not, it's hard, you know, cause I think it really is like, you know, that, that perception of people who this happens to and why is so uh powerful and harmful you know that it's hard to imagine it's hard, it's really hard to unpack how much each of us deep down in our are inside of ourselves maybe harbors beliefs about people who deal with the sort of issue that aren't right and, and don't make sense you know like no one would choose this no one wants this but when you grow up the way we do with you know every social cue you learn about drug use and it's a crime, you know, and it's a horrible crime. And if you do this, you're a criminal. And, you know, that whole piece of it, 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 it makes it really hard when you're, when you're an adult to, to, to be like, is that right? Like, is my, is my brother who I love more than anyone who is like one of the coolest, most interesting uh, people I know, like he's bad. I'm supposed to believe he's bad because this thing is happening to him. So it's screwed up. It really is. <laughs> and, 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 when you talk about your brother, I can see it in your face. I can see it in your eyes. That you have a deep, abiding love for him, which continues to this day. Yeah. And the grief that you felt must have been profound. Yeah. How did you, that besides running, how did you get through it? Yeah, I mean, that really is the question, right? Like, I, I, I feel like every time I hear that question, I have a different thought. Because part of it is... Um, is that like the only way through it? What is it? No, the only way out is through, right? I've heard people say that. And I always find that that's very satisfying. Um, when this happens to you, and that's the thing too, is that, you know, my group, my grief experience has so many layers to it. Like one of the, one of the things that, that really shocked me or, or not shocked me, but like when, when this was first happening to me, right? Like people act like it's contagious. Um, people act like, like you have something and they're like afraid to be around you, you know, like not, you know, not, I, I have a wide, like my, my loving family, my loving friends. Like I have so many people who literally held me up and fed me and like got me through it. So like the network I had first and foremost was the most important thing that got me like through this experience, having people to lean on and having people to talk to and having people to just exist with, you know, you don't have to like talk and process all the time, but just being able to go to my friend's house and sleep on her couch. Um, that made the difference, you know, but it's like the degree to which some like, you know, acquaintances or whatever, just people will kind of like Ooh, you is like kind of amazing. So because because it's, you know, that's the rule of life on this earth is this is coming for all of us. You know, if it's not, you know, I know this, you know, when I, my brother died, you know, it was like, I know this is happening to me now, but like this is going to happen to you. And I think that's part of why people feel so uncomfortable is because they don't want to have to think about that. They don't want to have to engage with that. Um, they so, don't want to think about it. They don't really, they don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not to share, you know, like, and not knowing what to say is like totally fine. Like, you know, like that's like, I mean, I think most people would tell you that, you know, that's probably someone coming up to me being like, gosh, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. I, you know, I'm just, I'm so sorry. And I love you. Like, that's the thing that matters more than anything else. It's almost like when people feel like they do have to like, give you some kind of like nugget of wisdom or like something like they feel like they have to like offer you some kind of platitude. Like that's usually when you're just like, please stop talking to me. Um. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sure he's better off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, like, 
there's a plan or whatever, like, you know, and people's people are entitled to whatever they want to believe, you know, of course, but it's just like, oh, people kind of just like spew things at you after this happens is like, sort of amazing. So you just got and I, I feel like I also too just like, as like a rule in life, like I have one of those faces where people will just like come up to me and just like say the absolute like, wildest stuff i don't know why it's always been like that so when my brother died like you know kind of walking around my hometown you know like it's a small town and everyone kind of knew you know so like people would just come to you and just be like and (laughs) and now you're like it's sort of this like weird game where you're like well now i'm not even really thinking about like me or my grief i'm thinking about how to react to this weird situation that you put me in so it's almost a relief like because then you have something else to think about um so somebody spends time verbally throwing up on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like, you know, it's weird because, yeah, I mean, like, it's also too, like, it, it, it is a very, like, or was in my view, a, a pretty psychedelic experience. Um, I felt in, in good ways and bad ways, you know, like, I felt like I was, I don't know, tuned into a frequency that I'm not normally tuned into. And it was scary, but it was also interesting. Um it made it really easy to see things that matter and things that don't. So that was one of the, the things that was good about it, you know, like in general, up until this happened and, you know, to this day, I was, I'm a pretty anxious person. I'm always a worrier, you know, I'm always thinking 20 steps down the line and panicking about something. Um, but grief kind of makes it that just that part of my brain just like stopped functioning. So it's kind of nice. I, you know, it was kind of a relief. Like I felt like, you know, every day it became more of a like, all right, well, I guess I should probably shower and eat and like do the tasks I have to do. And like, uh, that's it. Um, I also have a dog and the pet, you know, like really just, you know, everyone's different, but like, if you're a pet person, like you must have, you simply must have a pet, both for the comfort that they bring you like in your life. And also just the responsibility of having to care for an animal. Like there were definitely times where I probably wouldn't have left the house for I don't even know, not even days, probably weeks, if it wasn't my responsibility to like take the dog out for a walk and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, you just really got to fall back into the loving arms of the people that care about you. And that can be really hard for people who uh, are control freaks like me, or, uh, you know, or who consider themselves like strong in a certain way, or who are usually the caretaker and all that stuff. I wasn't used to being, um, you know, babied kind of in the way that I needed to be babied after this happened to me by my friends and my loved ones, you know, and really looked out for and cared for. And I'm grateful for that to this day, you know, like just an incredible, and you'll be amazed. Like that's a thing too about it too. That's sort of heartwarming is that like when something like this happens to you, the people who step up and help you, you will never forget. Like, and you have that forever. So it's nice, you know, like it really clarifies relationships for you as well. And you'll always be able to remember that that something really bad happened and some really important people helped you. So when, when uh, something, when you know something, someone that something has bad happened to Mm you, maybe if you don't know what to say, you don't know how to say it, maybe just bringing them dinner. Would, totally. be, would be a very helpful thing yeah. and you don't even have to say anything it's just like here mm-hmm. um i had friends who left bagels on my stoop and just texted me like they weren't even, you know because it was like it would be that thing too right of like people would offer to bring you stuff but then sometimes you felt like they'd like i was like okay well my apartment is a disaster i'm embarrassed like i look like a mess like i don't want to like see people necessarily but like so but so when people would just like text me and be like I just, I was just by your house and I left something out there for you like, enjoy it, you know, and left it more. The ball was more in my car, my 
side of the court to respond and like, you know, reach out and make the plans. It was great. Yeah. There's lots of stuff you can do. I appreciate that greatly because you know, the thing is when you're not, when you're not feeling well, when you're feeling, um, anxious or you're feeling very sad and you're not cleaning <laughs> you're not cleaning your toilet bowl as mm -hmm. an example and then mm -hmm. then somebody says well let me come over and make you dinner yeah it's like, oh no no come on because now i gotta clean my house yes. i've got to make sure it looks presentable i gotta yeah. take a shower myself i gotta clean the toilet i gotta do all this stuff just leave me alone exactly exactly i know like the kindness that i, I yeah the, the way that that is kind is like manifold you know because it's nice to bring someone food and then just really relieving someone of the pressure to like be on with you also that's the hard thing too right it's like obviously after you know a major loss or a grief experience there are times where you want to talk about it and i did want to talk about it a lot but sometimes there's the perception that like i don't know i think sometimes when people are reaching out they think that like you want to talk so i'm gonna like offer to talk to you and i don't always i didn't really want to talk about it that much and like when i would be talking about it i sounded nuts like i didn't sound like a coherent person i wasn't having like a like a, a conversation that really mattered i was sort of just like i would rehash the events that occurred a lot i think it was because i was traumatized and was struggling to understand that that even really did happen you know even to this day like the way the memory lives in my mind feels like nothing else and like i even when the like when the book came out and i got to hold it in my hands i was so excited and i was paging through it it was like yeah reading it i was just like i can't even believe i don't even remember writing this in certain ways like i don't even remember doing this you know like because it's like that's how much your brain will like flip over itself to protect you you know from your harshest memories so yeah. So the like conversations that you have with people when this is so whatever. So like, you know, there's a lot of people that want to show up and be like, I'm here for you. Like, let's talk. Do you want to talk? Let's anytime you want to talk, just call me. And I'd be like, I don't want to do that. Do you want to go to like the circus? Like, you know, we can like anything else other than that would be cool. But it's nice to have someone like an arm's length away. Like, it's nice to just have people around you. You don't necessarily have to have this like big, intense conversation every time you see each other. But just having someone that's like checking in on you, bringing you stuff, offering to take you places like that's what's up yeah so yeah. so i think that's great advice so instead of knocking on the door with the plate of lasagna that <laughs> that you have leave it you know on the front porch and then call and say yeah. there's a play there's some lasagna on your front porch yeah so why don't you go get that and, and then then you don't have to be so put out by you know all that mm -hmm. all that because nobody nobody wants people to walk into your house and go man do they actually live like this yeah and then they're like worried about you on a whole nother level <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. by, by the way we're talking with jess keith hey i did it how about that perfect um uh, com is where you can go find out all about her she's a writer of note she does has done a lot of writing in magazines you know what magazines are they're these pamphlets they used to put out and you could get a prescription and get one once a month and and <laughs> that they weren't online even but now, now you're writing a lot online yes, and, yes. and uh, in the book and by the way she's going to be doing a reading in washington dc so if you got nothing better to do and want to fly five hours across the country you know why not if you got those southwest points if you had you know your your christmas flight was canceled and they gave you some money <laughs> come hang which, out with me in dc it'll be great <laughs> which happens, happens to happen to a lot of us so, uh -huh. yeah. You know, yeah yeah and you know your your story in the book the way you've written it 
is is so impactful and for for people because there are during the story there are some down times and and some hard conversations that you have with the reader but but it's it's all designed at the end of the day to be positive isn't mm-hmm. it yes definitely i mean that was the strongest feeling i had about the whole thing is and it was sort of like i wanted to show that like coming out on the other side of this the way that hope felt to me and feels to me now is so much different than I expected. I think when I started, you know, when my brother died, I like, and people would try to like, you know, the platitudes would come out. He's a better place. You know, you'll get through it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I am a contrarian by nature. And so I would also like, anytime anyone would say stuff like that to me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm never, I'm never going to be okay. My brother's dead. He's never coming back. Like he's never coming back. Like I would say that, like, I would be like, People don't seem to understand. He's dead and he's never coming back. Like I was very fixated on that. I was just like, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened. Like there is no upside. There is nothing that's going to be good. I'm not going to feel better, you know? And I think that I did start ironically to feel better when I realized that I, it was more about feeling different. Like, you know, I was like, everything's just going to be different. Like I'm going to be different. The world around me is going to be different and it will go on, you know? And that I think made me more comfortable because it was like, I didn't have to like move on in this sort of like official sense that I, I got the impression people wanted me to, which was like, just forget about it and like whatever and move forward. And our culture, you know, doesn't make a lot of room for grief um, or for difficult conversations in general. So it sort of just felt like, you know, like, I don't know, it, it, it's hard. We don't have a lot of spaces to really like think about people we've lost and love um, in a way beyond, you know, it's like you get your funeral and then it's sort of like, all right, come on, like, how much longer could you really be sad for? So for me, the journey of the book and what I tried to show is that, you know, by the end of this, like, it's not some big, stupid, corny, like, yay, everything's better now. But it's just sort of like, well, everything's different now. And I have a different understanding of myself and my brother and what he went through and what the world around me is like. And I feel like there are ways that I can still feel connected to him and connected to his memory. Um that are valuable, you know, and part of it is being able to talk about it and share this with people. And, um, and like you said, you know, I mean, just the unbelievable scale of the, of, of the drug crisis and people who are going through this, it's, it's, it's impossible to even attempt to quantify, you know? So you just know there are a lot of people out there who are feeling these feelings. And I was just like, I feel like if I could just like talk to them, (laughs) I'll feel like this was worth doing you know so it's cool to hear from people who relate to the story and have been whether they've been through something similar or not you know just knowing that people are getting more um used to hearing about this sort of thing um rather than having to feel like you have to bury it or not talk about it in straightforward language you you can never bury it you can never bury him he's always going to be there for you yeah um he's very proud of you yeah of of the person that you are the book that you've written yeah and uh and we're going to talk more about that. We we need to pay the bills a little bit and take a break and, and figure out how we do that. So um, this is, by the way, the first time we're using a video audio on uh, Positive Talk Radio on KKNW. So uh, you can go to uh, our YouTube page or to KKNW's YouTube page and or Facebook or Twitter, and you can follow us along and you can actually see uh, the show being done. It really is quite phenomenal. So Jess. Keith is with us, and we're going to return right after these messages. Hey there. I'm excited that you're listening right now, and if you like what we're doing here, 
You're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, is packed with positive information, with real people discussing real issues, and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey, my friend. I'd really like to thank you for listening to the show today. As you may know, I started Positive Talk Radio way back in 2003. We were one of the first shows on KKNW. For 11 months, I was fortunate to be part of many lives, making a positive difference with great interviews and discussions, creating new thoughts and ideas. Sadly, for financial reasons, I had to terminate the show. Well, it took 18 years, but we're back better than ever. And not only on KKNW Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, but also podcasting with several inspiring channels with the same driving passion as the original. Please visit kmmedia.pro for complete information about all of these shows. In addition, if you feel called to keep positive programming on the air, you can join us by sponsoring the show and aligning yourself with our mission, which is nothing short of saving the planet and each other. Again, that's kmmedia.pro. I'll see you there. Wow. That's pretty good. I got to say, I enjoyed watching that and I made (laughs) two thumbs up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I thank you so much for that because that, that was a, uh, um, those were the, so first of all, I got to tell you, I got to thank our, uh, um, our media person, her name is Demi, and she does a phenomenal job of putting those things together. It's just, it's just awesome. It's a whole thing. The way it works is absolutely incredible to me. I might as well be on the moon. Like, I don't even like, how does everyone do all of this? It's crazy. And having it all line up, like broadcasting all these different places. It's amazing. Props to the whole team. It's cool. It it, it really is. It, it's yeah. fun. So, yeah. um, and uh, you're fun and you are, <laughs> really are. It's awesome <laughs> to have you here. Yeah. Um, this is Jess Keith. She's the author of 30,000 Steps. Mm-hmm. It's a story about her brother, brother's death and aftermath mm-hmm. and uh, how she's recovered from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't appear to be a person in grief because you <laughs> have got a great smile. You've, you've, you've overcome it. And, yeah. and you're living, you've lived through it. You came out the other side. You must be yeah. proud of yourself. I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult with my, you know, highly internalized Irish Catholic guilt to be proud of anything I do. Um, but yeah, I am. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, and it, it, I think it's easier for me now after all of this to uh, be a little more joyful and move through my life with a little more of a spring in my step because, you know, of, you know, you, you know, now kind of firsthand just how very bad it can get. So every day that I'm, I'm living, uh, 
with, you know, my dog and my loving partner and my beautiful family. I, I'm just, I, it's really hard not to just be like very grateful, very, very grateful for it all. So um, in that way, grief is a gift, you know, as corny as it sounds to say. And I, I never want to say anything that makes it sound like losing someone is like worth it in some kind of way. That's not at all the implication. But I think that that's the sort of thing, like there's something sparkly about people who've been through a, a serious grief experience that I, I feel like I always like, could see before I had done, had seen, had done it myself. I have some close friends who had had major losses in their lives and they're always very, to me, very like sparkly, joyful people that I felt very drawn to. Um, and now I feel like I am kind of a person like that too for people. So I'm, I'm glad to be so. And, and, that, and I think that um, it's ultimately a really good thing, but yeah, I think it's, it's, so there's something about going through something like this that just kind of makes you come out and you're just like, like, you know, if you're going to, everything's cool, you know, <laughs> that was so bad. And now it's, and now, you know, and somehow here we are, you know, like, so. The experiences that we have <laughs> are what shape us. Yeah. And I, I will tell you that, uh, think of, think of the things that you've done. Um, yes, it was a horrible experience, but think of what you've done since. Yeah. Uh, running, yeah. writing the book, this book is going to help people. And it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be very important. And yeah. by the way, the name of the book again is 30,000 Steps. Mm -hmm. And Jess Keefe is the author. And go to her website, jesskeefe.com, and find out all kinds of stuff about her. And I know that your family and your partner and your dog, by the way, what kind of dog is it? Oh, he is a ridiculous mix of 50% uh, medical. We did the genetic. He's like a, a rescue dog. Like he, we did the genetic thing and it was like mostly, we don't know, but he's uh he is like a chow, golden retriever, cattle dog mess. <laughs> he's very fluffy um, and he's very old. So now he's, he's coming up on 13. So I feel really grateful that I've been able to have as much time with him as I, as I have. So he mostly is asleep, but he is still my very best friend. <laughs> and very smart. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, the, and that's I don't and I don't want to discount anything because you know grief. Even when you're having grief for a dog, mm. um, that can, that can be as as devastating as it is if you lose a parent or if you lose somebody else. Yeah, I'm really like every day when I look at him, I'm like. We are preparing for the next anticipated difficult experience. So I definitely am, am feeling like, you know, it's time to make an emergency plan for how I'm going to get out of bed and shower and do all that stuff when that time comes. But I'm just, especially after, you know, like feeling like losing my brother, like having him kind of ripped out of my life before he should have been was so awful. I think, and I'm, you know, I'm just like, I'm really grateful that I got to have a whole doggy life with my pet and that he's still here with me and. I get to enjoy him in his old age and it's, it's, it's an extra treasured experience for me now after knowing what it's like to lose somebody too soon. Exactly. And if you, yeah. if you have the means, I, I lost my border collie. His Aww. name was Wesley at 14 Aww. and a half. Oh, and, and you know, his hips were, yeah. were bad and he couldn't yeah. run anymore. Mm -hmm. He was a dog that could run for miles and miles. Yeah. And at the end you would toss his ball and, He'd go the five feet that you tossed it and then lay down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you ever have the, if you have the opportunity, I had somebody come to the house. Yeah, that's, that's, yes, I have had a friend that uh, had to do that as well. And she said that that was really top notch. So that is, I'm going to start thinking about that for when it comes. But yeah, yeah, I can't and, imagine, I can't imagine it. Yeah, any other way. So. And I hope, I hope that day doesn't come for a long time. 
Yeah. Well, but we'll be, you know, and that's, you know, it's one of those things, man. And that's a, that's the thing about, you know, the older we get, the more we realize that uh, this stuff just happens in life. It's all just one of those things. It, it is. It, it is true. <laughs> and if we could, yeah. if, if we could deliver a message today that I would, I would ask a couple of things. First of all, you are well aware of the ability for the uh, antidotes, Narcan, or you call it, there's another one that you call Naloxone it. is the generic name. So like the brand name nasal spray is called Narcan, but also Naloxone is the medication itself. And you can get it in like a little vial and a syringe you just inject it in someone's arm. We have uh, EpiPens for when you have a, uh, uh, if you're allergic to peanuts or you're allergic to anything that can protect you. We need, we're, we should be on a mission to have Narcan available for every household because you don't know yeah. who you don't know is using what they're mm -hmm. using and how they're using it. And, and even if it's, you have it and it's your neighbor, mm -hmm. you Definitely. have it available to you. And it is very easy to, to administer and it doesn't cost a great deal of money and you could actually save a life. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. And if you know, if someone in your life um, uses drugs and you're concerned about them, there are so many nonprofit organizations that do incredible work um, that will, they'll put Narcan in the mail to you. You know, if you're embarrassed to go to the pharmacy, I get it. No judgment. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, if it's, if you feel like you go to the pharmacy and you're, you'd more likely burst into tears and be able to say, can I please have a dose of Narcan? I'm concerned about my loved one. Um, there, there's an organization called Next Distro. Um, there's also an organization called End Overdose. Um, if you Google those things, resources will come up. There's lots of people who want to help. Um, there are people that will put the stuff in the mail to your house, either for free or for, I think, like shipping costs. If you give them $8, they'll send it to you. Um, there are lots and lots and lots of people out there who really want to help. Um, and you should check it out. Even if it's even if it's like, sometimes I feel like it's hard to open your mouth and say these things, but just get on the computer, type it into Google, and um, and then you'll have it and you'll feel so much better. Um, and you can, you know, give it to your loved one, keep it for yourself in your home so you have it around. Um, you know, it's 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 good to have. And when and if and when you do need to use it, you'll be so grateful. And I'm I for one have seen it in action uh, when I was driving a bus. And I had a gentleman that had was ODing on the bus, mm -hmm. and they could not wake him up. And no matter what they did, the fire department came and all. But when they administered this thing, it's like, uh, what? What? Um, there's a movie where um, a guy was like, like comatose, and then they shot, they inject. I don't know, but he just he just woke up and got up and walked off the bus. He was a little stiff legged, but he was. <laughs> Yeah. He was smiling, going, "How the hell did I get here?" Yeah. And know. and uh, so they, they, but it only lasts for so long. So yeah. then they, so even if you have it, yes, you still need to call someone. Nine one one. Yep, they will come yeah. and help you. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. And by the way, and the, did you know? I don't know that we didn't talk about it, but there's a new number if you are having a bad moment in life, a bad moment in time. Are you aware of this number? Uh, yes. Yes. You want to go? Go ahead. Oh, no, I think I, I is it is it nine eight eight? Which what yes, is it? Ma is it yes, okay? Wow. Okay. Cool. Uh, I I yeah. I, I remember hearing uh, when they passed this legislation. Yeah, it's the national. It's like a um, mental health emergency line. Um, so if you are in crisis or someone you love is in crisis and it's not necessarily a nine one one type of situation, uh, 
but you are feeling like it's really time to talk to somebody, you can call them. Well, and the problem is, is that uh, sadly, uh, mental illness or and and drug addiction tend to go hand in hand a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's something like uh, I forget. I think it's I think the statistics in the book, but it's something like fifty uh, percent of people that have a mental health problem also have an addiction, or people, or, and also fifty percent of people who have addiction also have a mental health problem. So they're yeah, they're very yeah commonly seen together. And with the and I, I really think that we as a country, and this is maybe me editorializing a little bit, but we as a country, because a hundred thousand people are dying a year of of this, and because of fentanyl and and the uh, other things that are being introduced into this pool of drugs, that we really need to uh, do everything that we can to protect people. And for those of you that would say. I don't think that you should give him a, a antidote when he did something stupid to begin with. I would think that you need to be quiet and sit in the corner. Thank you. Yeah. And that, and the thing about it too, is like, you know, when everybody kind of gets into this and it's weird. Cause like, I don't know, as you've stated before, like, it's like with other issues, we don't, I mean, there are some, there are definitely plenty of other ones that like people get into this moralizing about, but like, you know, if someone has hypertension or someone has diabetes, you don't often hear like the peanut gallery coming out being like, well, maybe they shouldn't have had that Coca-Cola or they shouldn't have, you know, I mean, like, it's weird. Like, it's usually when people have like diabetes and need their insulin, it's like, well, yeah, they need their insulin to live. Like, there's really kind of nothing else to it. Um, but when it comes to people who have issues with substances and drug use at all, oh, everybody's an expert on what's moral and what's not and what's enabling and what's not. And I think at the end of the day, you know, it's just a matter of like, yeah, I think about the person that you love more than anything in the world like that. This could happen to them. And then how would you feel if someone told you, I don't really think that it's the right, it sends the right message to help people. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just wild, like how people want to talk about it like that, but it's common. Well, I was involved in a conversation like that where the guy, where the person said, well, you know, if he didn't, if he wasn't so heavy, he mm -hmm. wouldn't have diabetes. Right. Yes. That was actually what I was thinking. I was thinking of, you know, the obesity epidemic. Like there's this like so any sort of like whiff people get. And this is because of, you know, America is un unfortunately at its core in a lot of ways, a very individualist uh, puritanical country. So any sort of whiff people get of like, did this to yourself it's like that's it no you know no help yep. for you no assistance for you you know and it's like kind no of ignores more, no more soup for you yeah like and it doesn't really think about like well who's selling the soup who has access to the soup like what goes in the soup they, they're not choosing you know it's like how much yeah. uh, how much autonomy or independence does any one of us have we're all just doing the best we have with the resources around us you know like <laughs> well and, and and the person that this person said that to had type 1 diabetes hmm. Right. Which, which is a something that happens from birth. Yeah. You have no control over it. <laughs> your body doesn't produce insulin. You're on insulin for virtually your entire life. Doesn't allow you to lose weight because you have to keep, you know, your your, your system regulated and all that kind of good stuff. So so let's not be judgmental yeah. of our fellow man. And it's man. the same with the grief thing too. I mean, it's just like, you know, when people say these things, it's it's almost like they're saying it out loud for their own benefit because if they can continue to uh, solidify their belief that like this only happens to a certain type of person with a certain type of thing. Then the other side of that is, well, as long as I'm not a certain type of person with a certain type of thing, this will never happen to me, you know? So I don't have to worry about it. Um, it's much scarier when you start getting into the place of like, oh no, this could happen to anybody at any time. <laughs> it's scary, it's, but that's the reality, you know? Like, and, and some people I think don't want to live in reality. And I understand it's, it's, it's complicated, but 
It is reality. Unless that happens to you, a lot of times you're going to say, well, you know, if that, if they'd only had a better childhood. Yeah, sure. You know, but but the fact of the matter is drug addiction can happen to anybody and there are numerous reasons for it. Mm -hmm. One of which is if you have a major surgery Mm -hmm. and they give you a lot of of uh, um, uh, oxycotton and other uh, other uh, cocktails that that are feeding you and uh, and somebody who's on on the show I told you about that they got sixty um, oxycotton pills and by the time they were done with that they were hooked mm-hmm. and so then couldn't get that anymore mm-hmm. heroin is a very similar thing mm-hmm. and so there you are and then he ended up dying at thirty one yeah uh, it's terrible and and that's the thing too is that you know. Uh, what it's so scary. It's, it's really scary. And I think that people, um, as much as we can just remembering to like, really ask your doctor, like talk to your doctor. If you're concerned about addiction issues going into a surgical setting, like there are lots of options available to you. And there's also lots of things that your doctor can help you understand. So like you said before, about that, the client, uh, the person you're speaking to had, you know, her whole thing about they're having, there's like a nurse clinician who makes a plan with you. Like, that's really what matters the most. Like you, you need somebody that can help you understand like when it's appropriate to use this kind of medication and when you should start to think about not when it's not appropriate at all to use it, you know, like it's scary, but you know, like, Fentanyl is really scary. It is really scary in the illicit drug supply, but it is also a medical tool. You know, like if you've ever had major surgery, they probably used fentanyl on you. They handle it in hospitals every single day. Um, No one's spontaneously overdosing in a hospital setting when they get out the fentanyl. Um, It's scary in the illegal supply. And I think that the more people are aware of what the real threat is, the easier it is to um, not panic. So, you know, just keeping that stuff in mind when you're in a medical setting and saying like, hey, I do want to talk about this because, you know, doctors, it's hard to really nail them down and have a conversation with someone in a medical setting without them running off or doing something else. So, you know, advocating for yourself and your loved ones is ace. Absolutely. By the way, we're talking with Jess Keefe. She's written the book 30,000 Steps. I highly recommend that if you don't buy it for yourself, and you know somebody who may be at risk or another family that may be at risk, buy it for them. I uh, Get them to read it so that they can understand that these things happen quickly. They can happen like in in, in a moment. And uh, we, we all need to look out after each other to try and keep it from happening. So uh, what does Jess see for herself? Where, what are you going to be doing next? That's a great question. Um, I <laughs> don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. So, I mean, it's great. Like, I mean, I think um, I can get pretty like, you know, I, I, I'm very goal oriented in a, in a specific kind of way. So like I've been working on this and this goal that is happening right now around me for a long time. Um, so I'm trying to just like enjoy it as much as possible and um, then think about what's next. Maybe I'll join a jump roping competition and write a book about that. I mean, I truly have no idea. Like this has been such a huge chapter of my life that I feel really lucky and and honored to bring to a close in a beautiful way, like having this book come out and being able to share it with wonderful people like you. So um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Writing and, and chilling and maybe running another marathon. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> hey, well, I know you got one in March, remember? The half, half, half is my oh, half. That's a half. Okay. Got Full you. marathon. I, I don't know. If anybody out there is interested in running like the Boston half marathon for charity, maybe you could talk me into it, but <laughs> it's going to probably have to be a while before I take on another full one. 
I'm pretty sure I couldn't ride a bike 23 miles. <laughs> I barely like to ride a cab 23 miles. So, you know. I, I, I'll take an Uber. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. And you are such a shining example of, of um, somebody that can come out the other side and really have a positive impact on the world around her. And uh, congratulations for that. Well, thank you so much. I, I, that's that's really nice to hear. So thank you. And, you know, we're f- coming up on two hours, you and I. Yeah. And, and this gone, like, really fast. I know. I know. <laughs> it's just been, you know, it's great and, to chat. Yeah, it's really nice. It's, it's, it's cool. Well, you are just an extraordinary human being, and I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, it, um, but he's there for you, and and uh, and look at what you've done. Yeah. Look, look at how you're soaring. And it, and this is one of those nice experiences where you get to say, "Well, it's just one of those things." Like this is a nice one of those things, which is cool. So. Yes, indeed. So um, now, if somebody wants to get in t- contact with you, if they would like you to do some uh, copying for them or some brand mm-hmm. work. Tell us about this. I'm interested. Tell me about the brand work. Real quick. Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, I, I've worked with, uh, you know, nonprofits and health organizations, as well as, you know, like um, startups and retail uh, companies and all sorts of stuff too. Um, you know, I'm a writer of all trades. I like to help people um, put their mission and message into a language that resonates with an audience. So um, I definitely enjoy doing that as well. Um, You can follow me. So my website has more information about some of the services I offer. And um, I, you know, I try not to spend too much time on social media these days, but I do look at it. So if you want to follow or contact me on Instagram or on Twitter, I am at Jess Keith, just like my name, just like the website. Um, So you can follow me there. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear from people if, you know, people want to, uh, if, if you read the book, if you like the book, um, please drop me a note. Let me know. Uh, I love to hear from readers. So that's great. So you've got, uh, we've got about five minutes left in the show. Mm-hmm. And you, so you got five minutes to come up with a brand new brand for me oh. for Positive Talk Radio. What do you, what do you think that, see, because I get told that I should narrow my niche and you should be, and I have trouble narrowing my niche because I'm so interested in talking about a whole bunch of things with a whole bunch of really cool people. I already what have it. I already have an answer. I already have an answer. Uh, it's the Positive Talk Radio bus. <laughs> you know, you're not the first person to say that. Because also, too, the way that you are and the way that you're so delightful and interested in talking to people and such a and such a warm presence, you remind me of like, of course, the nicest bus drivers like who who wouldn't want to be on a bus with you. <laughs> that, that's actually that's pretty brilliant. <laughs> you know, take it on the bus and yeah, people get on people get off. Just I mean, it's the nature of a bus that everybody that gets on is different and has a different story to tell and stuff like that. You got to get the bus thing going. I love the bus. Uh, that's that's the the only one that I've ever met who waited for a bus and never got on was Forrest Gump. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> he waited for hours telling his story, and then yeah, then, it's just two blocks down that away, <laughs> down that away, yeah, yes, down that away. Janae, nice to meet you. Have a good day. You know, so <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I, I've had I've had the best time talking to you, but I, yes. I'm, I will take that under the the positive talk radio it. bus. Yep, you should think about it. Maybe do like I know this is great. Like with the video, so if you have anybody involved in the show that likes to do video, like you know, you could do little video snippets on the bus of just talking to people, and 
I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we are going to create a video around what you just said. I love it. I think you should. It sounds great. Yes, indeed. So uh, <laughs> you're brilliant. So uh, you, you need to contact her. Uh, and she, and she, she helped me in two minutes. She can go. help you in, you know, in, in three or more. So, yeah, so. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yes. By the way, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Yeah. And I want you to, I'm going to step aside and I want you to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know about your brother, about your recovery, about grief, whatever it is you'd like them to know. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, tall order. Let me see. Um, don't forget to eat. Uh, really don't try to try to take a shower. <laughs> this is to people who are experiencing grief. Don't forget to eat, take a shower. If you don't have a dog, see if you can go to your shelter and walk some, because that will make you feel really good. Um, for people who have a loved one who are, is dealing with addiction, reach out to those orgs I mentioned next distro and overdose. There are lots and lots of people out there who know what you're going through and want to help you. I know it feels like you are all by yourself and in many ways you are, but there are lots of people out there who know exactly what you're dealing with and want to help you. And if you can have naloxone in your house or near your loved one, um, you'll be really grateful on the day that you need it. Um, and I think, I think those are my big messages that I'm trying to share with people talking about the book and my brother, uh, was an absolute star. And if you want to know about him and learn about him, I hope you'll read the book. And if you want to do something that he really would just kill to do uh, that he doesn't get to do anymore, you could go to a local drag show. So look up your local drag queens and pay them a visit because that was something that my brother really enjoyed doing. Very cool. So he, he, and you know, there are some around here. I don't know where they are. Yes, I, big Seattle, lots of big heavy hitters from Seattle drag queens. Yeah. It's a good scene there. Are there really? Well, I yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not an expert, but you know, like big big names from RuPaul's Drag Race. Are, you know, the quirky ones are always from Seattle. Jinx Monsoon, uh, uh, Ben de la Creme. Those are some of the famous ones I'm aware of. But there, I hear that there's. I mean, I've never been to Seattle as we've established, but I'm dying to go. And and I I'm, when I come, when not if when I'm going to be checking out some some local drag shows. So I know that it's out there. So if you're in Seattle, get on down. And I live across the street from SeaTac Airport. Perfect. You can pick me up in the bus. I can. <laughs> I'll just I'll just pick you up. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, this is our inaugural version of our audio video on KKNW. I think it went fabulously. I couldn't think of a better guest to have to do this than you today. Thank I'm so you. glad. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much. And thanks to everybody for listening. And it's been, it's been great fun. And, uh, and, uh, if you want to find out more about positive talk radio, go to positive talk radio.net. Um, we do, uh, eight to 10 podcasts a week. Um, we do some on KKNW. We do some in addition to that. And we, we always have a good time and we're trying to change quite literally. We're trying to change the world one person at a time. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to get on the positive talk radio bus and catch it and, and, and pay your fare. That's right. <laughs> I don't know, but the, the, thank you everybody for being here. And by the way, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you Wednesday on positive talk radio.